Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the 442 podcast. Today, Liam... We've got the hardest man ever to come on the podcast. <laughs> Not a belter. Not a belter. Listen, if we've got Jerry Taggart. If he says it's Wednesday, it's Wednesday. Jerry, what day is it? Uh, it's Wednesday. <laughs> Absolutely, it is. Whatever you say, mate. Ex Northern Ireland International, Man City, Barnsley, Bolton, Leicester, Stoke City. This man is a proper player, crowd favourite, hard as nails. Getting it in there now. He is hard as nails. <laughs> hardest man ever on the channel. I don't know if we're going to beat him. Dad on you, John. Absolutely, he is, and I don't mind saying that. It's, uh, if I quickly say this, playing against him a few times, and then obviously we came round to signing him, I was so happy like to get him on board and thinking, wow, there we go, that, that saves me going up against him. <laughs> and then, then it hit home and I thought, shit, I'm going to have to go up against him every day in training, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? That's going to make it worse. So, no, it was brilliant, brilliant. But good to, good to get him on board. Oh, yeah, what a player. Mate of yours as well. Yeah, very much so. And, I'm going to uh, get one off my chest then as well, before we do the golf. Last time I seen Jerry, he scored 46 points on his own. And me and my friend, no one could do 36 in Purs, but <coughs> better ball. Now, I have to explain, there was a bit of a mix-up. I was playing with John Beresford that day. Right. And uh, he put me down as an 18 handicapper. Right. So he made a mistake on the scorecards, but it was actually 45. Right. That have scored. Makes me feel yeah. great coming yeah. into the golf next time. Big difference. Yeah. You know? But yeah. I took the champagne gratefully and they didn't get it back. So there you go. Yeah, yeah it was a bottle of champagne. Where'd you play at now? Where's your golf? Uh, I play at a little village golf club called Wortley Golf Club. So. And your handicap now? Uh, down to 13. So slow but steady progress. I think if I was you, big man, I would still expect a knock on the door from the handicap police, by all accounts, <laughs> speaking to a few of your uh, members. Every every dog has a stage on, you know that. You have your good days and bad days. Yeah. If you listen to Danny Wilson, he wants your handicap down. That's all I'm saying. Right, John, Man City, let's get this Well, rolling. no, let's let's kick off a little bit before that, Jerry. How did it all start, Northern Ireland? 
And my family, my mum and dad were massive into swimming. So I was actually a swimmer growing up as a kid. You know, didn't really play football that much. So we moved, but we moved from Belfast down to a place called Craigavon. And by moving there, that enabled me to then get in, introduced to one Neil Lennon, where we met. I met at the age of 10. <clears throat> we played for the local boys club, which was actually called Lurgan Celtic. Uh, and we used to meet up in a, in a town called Lurgan. I had still got a supporters club there to this day called, you know, it's Lurgan Celtic Supporters Club. Uh, and that's where we started playing our, our boys football from 10 years old. But then you talk about me being hard. I, I wasn't really hard. I was brave. The reason why I was brave, because on a Sunday we'd play Gaelic football. And if you wanted to play Gaelic football, you had to be brave, you know, because that was a proper man sport. You were playing, you, you would play football on a Saturday and we played a year up. So we, we were playing on the 14s when we were 12. But on a, so you play with these older guys on a Saturday, but on a Sunday they'd be playing for a different Gaelic team than the one you played for. And you'd be coming up against these older boys. And they were not your friends on a Gaelic pitch. Believe you me. So more often than not, I'd come off a Gaelic pitch on a Sunday. And I'd be getting punched, kicked, you name it. And so you sort of learned a little bit of resilience from, from playing Gaelic football. After that, football was a breeze. Get your bid in first. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's where a slight bit of bravery or, you know, or... So how did Man City spot you? Again, it was basically, you know, I played with Neil for Lurgan Celtic boys up until the age of 14. Uh, and we used to go to this place called Mol Molusk, which is just on the way to, uh, on the way to the International Airport. And used to have, Molusk fields, it must be 15, 20 pitches or something like, something around that number. And it used to have a, a big, big tournament there every year. And we used to go up there with Lurgan Celtic, which then became Lurgan United. Because this is a funny story. The lads who ran Lurgan Celtic football team all buggered off because they wanted to play golf. They took up golf and didn't want to run the team anymore. So they had to get a new band of coaches in and it became Lurgan United. But we used to go up to Molosk every year. And we used to win the tournament basically every year. We had a great team. Obviously, when they in it, myself and one or two other lads who were really good and that's and and all the scouts used to come over from the UK uh, I'm from Scotland as well so I had an, a couple of opportunities to go to places like Celtic Man City uh, one or two others Everton, Everton was another one uh, but I went over to Man City liked it myself and Neil went over at the same time on school holidays went over on trials every school holidays and it just sort of worked its way from there. Was it the plan you both go together or would you have split up? Yeah, <clears throat> the plan was we were going to join Man City together, but something happened with Neil where he, he actually had Glasgow Rangers wanting to sign him. Right. Uh, Motherwell was another one. And he ended up going to Motherwell, believe it or not, which was a bit of a surprise for me because we had been going over from the ages of 14 uh, to Man City every every school holiday for two years until it came to the time where you you know at sixteen you you become a YTS or I say thanks but no thanks 
And right at the last minute, he decided he was going to join Motherwell. So he joined Motherwell. But I, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know whether he was homesick or he just couldn't get on or, or what. But he only lasted about two or three months in, in Motherwell. And then he ended up, Man City had held it, held it, hadn't filled that YTS slot. So they kept it open. And, and so Lenny ended up coming back to Man City. Wow. So we were meant to be living in the same digs, but because he'd gone to Motherwell and had to put me in with somebody else, I ended up I ended up on one side of Manchester and he ended up on the other. But back in to Geller again. But back to Geller at Man yeah. City, yeah. You ever think you're gonna have that career then? What he had? Yeah, listen, he was multi talented. Now we said he was a better Gaelic player than he was was soccer player. You know, he was a fantastic Gaelic player, he? but he just had that grit and determination, that will to succeed uh, from a young, young age. He was a real fiery, mouthy little get, like from the age of 10. You, you not changed. Him, not changed. He used to argue with the referees all the time, argue with his players. Uh, and obviously I ended up playing with him for, you know, with, uh, uh, you know a, a furled stint in my career, which we'll come on to. You know, at Leicester in Northern Ireland and as I say he never changed one bit no. so you could see it in him his will to succeed was was phenomenal did you see him being a manager then yeah you, you I could see that yeah because he had a good knowledge of the game you know uh, and in the dressing room you know if he had something to say you you would listen to him. so uh, even though it might have been aggressive it was common yeah, sense yeah it, it was, was very common sense very intellectual uh, fellow as well, you know, very well uh, qualified at school, you know, he got he got all his O-levels, A-levels as well, so, you know, he was well qualified, you know, he was very astute in what he did, but obviously when the red mist descended with him, <laughs> all that went out the window. Is that red hair, on not it? That red hair, he was such a fiery little character. Do you remember your debut? Postsmouth away. You'll have played there, yeah. John. It's a pretty hostile atmosphere down there. And we're going great guns, you know, with Paul Molden up front, uh, say, Paul Lake, David White, uh, Neil McNabb, you know, an experienced Scottish player, you know, experienced pro, good player, Steve Redmond. You know, we, we, had, a, we had a really good, solid, at that time, Division 2 side, the old Division 2. And then me, who uh, Gary Megson was the other guy in midfield, box to box, Megal fit as a fiddle. And uh, <clears throat> so goes down on Friday night, still don't know I'm playing, gets a team the next morning, tells you over your pre match meal, your plan. And I always remember, I think it was Ian Brightwell, I gets a phone call to the room, pretending to be the Manchester Evening News. Saying, oh, <clears throat> you know, I believe you're making your debut today, blah, 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 blah. This, that, and the other, and tried, you know, winding me up on the phone while I'm still prepared, while I'm preparing to pack my bag and get ready to go to the game. So that was the first lesson. <laughs> well, it wasn't the first lesson I learned as a, as a professional football. Well, I wasn't even a professional, but it was one of the first lessons when the phone rings on a, on a match day. Don't answer it. Just don't answer it. Did you give the full interview? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But <laughs> I was so wet behind the ears, it was unbelievable. Yeah. I've been for a long stand, uh, going ask, so look, 
the the physio Roy Bailey would go go and ask uh, go and ask Skip Tony but go and ask him for a long stand. So you go into the office and ask, "Hi Tony, can I have a long stand? Uh, Roy wants a long stand," and he just go, "Yeah, go and stand in there until I say move." <laughs> oh, fuck. you know, one of them. What was the other one? Uh, a bucket of steam. Go and ask Skip for a bucket of steam. <laughs> I think you should <laughs> wet behind the ears, you go for oh, it. Oh, yeah, you just go yeah. for it. You know, and the other one was when you had to clean the dressing rooms. And the senior YTS is then when I was the first year, we had, I had to do the away team dressing room, like sweep it and then hoover it with these big industrial hoovers. And uh, they washed the floors at the same time. And I think it was Paul Warhurst, actually, who was the second year YTS said, just, just sweep them up under the bin. And he'd go and tell Skip that I'd swiped it under the bin. And then Skip would come in and, you know, look at all around and make sure everything was clean. He'd know what was going off. And then all right at the end, go, that oh, looks really clean. Tags well done. And then right at the end, he'd lift the bin up and see all this shit under the bin. You, but, you know, you were just winding you up constantly. They're a great learning curve as a young lad. Proper crap, that, isn't it? Yeah. Did you score on your debut? <clears throat> no, I scored on my debut for Barnsley, but... Uh, at Portsmouth, I won the game 1-0. And uh, I say I was playing left-back up against this this young lad. He was a couple of years older than me, in his early 20s, I think. I, the name escapes me, but he was on loan from Tottenham. And he was just electric. Well, Anderson, were it? No, it weren't Anderson. It was before Darren Anderson. You'll have to get that. You'll have to research that one. And I just remember uh, the manager saying to me, just let him know early. That was the old adage, wasn't it? So just give him one on the halfway line. You're allowed to, though, then, you, aren't you? You're allowed one, no problem. And you get away, you might get a talking to by the referee, but he wouldn't book you for your first one. So I always had him ahead. Launch him. Launch him, early doors. So I launched him early doors. What did you? And in fairness, that was the end of him. Probably still hasn't landed. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how it happened. But I got through the first half and they took this guy off at half time. And we managed to win the game 1 0. And I was like, absolutely, as you imagine, buzzing. absolutely buzzing yeah. where you perform. So I played the whole game, won the game 1 0. And the guy I was marking, who was this little tricky speedster down the right hand side, got dragged at half time on run from Spurs. I'm like, oh. So, yeah, that's. So then I became like replacement left back for Andy Hinchcliffe. So I played. Ten. Yeah, I think I started eight or nine games and came on as a sub once when Paul Lake swallowed his tongue on the pitch. I think it was against Leicester. Like that day, I came on at right back. Right? So he brought me on as a sub at right back. So I imagine that's even worse, but we won the game 4 2. It was a great game at Main Road against Leicester City. Uh, So yeah, I sort of just filled in. I was mainly on the bench, but then. If anyone was out injured, bang, defensively, they used to bring me in. Because you got a taste to it then. Were you ready for move and go and get first team? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, you know, obviously we went up, great. You know, you know, we had the bus thing through the town centre. It was unbelievable. I'm, again, I'm thinking, what's going off here? Uh, we went to the town hall on the steps of Manchester town hall, sorry, city hall, whatever it was. It was unbelievable. You know, I couldn't, it didn't sink in really with me. And then, actually, went on pre-season tour. We're, we're back in the old first division, back in the big time, Man City. 
went on pre-season tour to uh, to Norway and uh, signed this midfielder, Skyser, who became a bit of a cult hero at Man City with a long hair. Ended up at West Ham, midfielder. God, he'll, he'll, he'll never forgive me for not remembering his the name. The comments would be terrible. Ian. Oh, I know the one you mean, yeah. Uh, Started at Everton. Yes. I know every club he's been at, yeah. but I just can't remember his name. Bishop. Ian Bishop. There you go. Ian Bishop. Yeah. That's all, John. Yeah. So I ended up rooming with Ian Bishop in pre-season training, a pre-season tour in Norway. And refer to Bish, like, he wasn't, I'm not saying he was a bad pro, but, you know, he liked a bit of a party. He liked so, to be on a sneak out, yeah, basically. Um, obviously, I was his roommate, and so he fucking dragged me with him everywhere he went. Kicking and screaming. So, <laughs> you could say that's where I learned the art of, you know, you know, off-the-pitch activities, for want of a better expression. And the next morning, we were late for training, which was a massive no-no for Mel Merchant. And when we got back, he... He bin me, bin me back to the reserves. And then the, the results hadn't been going, so the season starts. I'm, I'm not even getting a look in, in the first team. Uh, I'm just playing reserve team football at this point. Results aren't going the way, obviously, people are expecting. There's a bit of money had been uh, invested. We bought Clive Allen in from France. I think it was uh, Auxerre, something like that there. And a few other players, Brian Gale, big centre-half. Uh, so then Mel gets a sack, and in the, in between Mel coming and Hard Kendall coming, there was a bit you know a bit of an interim. Thing. I think Tony Burke was part of that first team. And played against Liverpool at left back again up Main Road, Mark and Ray Hayden, and Liverpool won the double that season. That was the eighty nine ninety season, and uh, it's fair to say that. Uh, you know, I didn't have a good time on the pitch. I got dragged off after 16, 16 minutes. Liverpool were phenomenal. But again, it was just all of a bit of a blur. I just remember running around in circles trying to keep up with Ray Houghton. Couldn't do it. Honestly. No, no, they were phenomenal. Uh, and then after that, Hart Kendall came in and became the manager. And I was basically on the outside looking in after being on the inside looking out. You know. Take you back then. On that trip to Norway, the pre-season yeah. trip, and you get back and Mel Machen binge you. Yeah. Did you think you'd blew it then? I suppose the longer that snub went on, the more frustrating. And, and then, you know, the realisation sort of snakes in that maybe I'm not going to be part of this. So, you know, his... His... Uh, his second, in a way, was a blessing in disguise. But in another way, playing that game against Liverpool was a realisation of... Jesus Christ, I've got some work to do here. Need to prove your game. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and then you, you couple that with me having to move digs and had to move into a house with three hour hostesses in it. Pardon? Exactly. Three hour hostesses. Nice and there, isn't there? Right. So <laughs> cheap flights though. Three hour hostesses, because I lived in Altrinum. Well, the nice part yeah. as well. Yeah. So and they obviously worked out of Manchester Airport. So I ended up, I ended up, these three old, our hostesses moved in with me. And uh, it was just carnage for six months. 
That's that's the only word I can describe it. Did it happen by accident or was it planned? It happened by accident. I, I actually moved, moved down to Madegs, literally three doors down, and there was a pilot that lived on his own. He was looking for someone to rent a room off him. Okay. And he, this guy was a recovering, he was a Welsh guy from North Wales, a recovering alcoholic. He was a pilot. And so I said, right, I'll take it. I'll take a room. And he was three, he was he used to see three, he was he'd been divorced three times, a recovering alcoholic, and he had three ladies on the go at any one time. So I became like a little housemaid for him, amongst other things. Wingman. Wingman, yeah, I was his <laughs> protective Great words. Protective wingman. Yeah. I literally he would tell me he used to leave me a list of things to do and then get out of the house, disappear for a couple of hours come back at seven, come back at half seven, come back at eight. But you've got to do this list of things by six o'clock or by five o'clock. And once you've done them all, disappear. Get out of the house. Okay, fine. So this was, this was going on for like a year, year and a half. And then he decided he was going to move to the Isle of Man. He had a house in the Isle of Man as well. So he moved over there and rented the other two bedrooms out. And that's when these three, our hostesses, came in and invaded my privacy in my life what about all the players did they all want to stay over <coughs> or well, did they Andy Dibble never ever ever once offered me a lift in the train because he lived in Altrinim as well right so I used to have to get the 147 from Altrinim in the in the main I, road sorry look you've got three Earl Stesses yeah in your house yes but you had to get the bus into training well this is until Andy Dibble find out that I lived with three or hostesses, yeah. and one of them was, you know, she was a pretty girl. And Andy Dibble, ever since that day, knew that I lived with three or every morning he would screech by in his sponsored car, Andy Dibble, Man City, bloody blah, 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 sponsored by whoever, used to screech up every morning, tags you need a lift in the training. <laughs> That'd be great, Dibs. And he used to come in, sit down, have a cup of tea, have a chat with the girls, and obviously he had a bit of a liking for one of them. Uh, I don't know what happened though. I don't know if he got off, but yeah. So I started getting lifts in the work with Andy Devil. So, so, so there was, yeah, there, there was yeah. one at least one positive came out of it. So was it Mel Machin got sacked at Man City? Yeah. Did he get the job at Barnsley? He got the job at Barnsley. So he gave you the cold shoulder, yeah. and all of a sudden rung you up. First signing when he became manager at Barnsley, and and you know it sort of came out of the blue. It was just after, well, it was January, January nineteen ninety. And uh, again, you know, uh, Howard was the manager. I'm, I'm, I'm training with a, I just become a pro, so I'm a first year pro. I'm training with the first team, but I'm not getting a look in in the first team whatsoever. I'm, I'm not in the match day squad. Uh, so I'm dithering, you know, just, you know, mooching around really. You know, I tell you, if you're not part of one squad and. I'm not part of another because I was training, but not in this match. In no man's land. <laughs> and then I'm going and playing for the reserves, you know. So I'm being pulled from one place to the to the next. So it's very frustrating, and it's hard to work out where you stand, and you know, where you actually stand at a football club when that's the case. But it's even harder for you because you've had the taste. Because I mean, you've had the taste, had the taste. and once you've had it, that's yeah. it. There's no going back. So it was just turn January and. Howard Kendall uh, pulled me in his office and said, oh, listen, I've, I've had a call from Mel Machen at Barnsley. He wants to take you, and I've agreed to sell you. 
he said, do you want to go? And I said, yeah, of course I do. Straight away, I didn't even think about it. Second sentence was, where's Barnsley? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a clue. Uh, but I'll go, definitely. So he said, right, no problem. And that was literally, this conversation lasted about 45 seconds to a minute. Did you have a car then? No, no, no car. I had to get the train, I had to get two trains. A bus and two trains, actually. Life of to, a footballer. To get there. Now, in fairness to Mel Machen, he used to pick me up on a Monday morning and drive me in uh, to Barnsley, and then I'd stay in Barnsley. But initially, you know, I was I was still doing a little bit of travelling back and forth because I, 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 I had a, a girlfriend well, who still lived in Altrinham. We won't be wanting to leave his digs, will he? No, <laughs> well, that's, yeah. But yeah, literally, you know, if I came back at the weekend to see my ex-girlfriend, I would have to get two trains. So a train from Barnsley to Huddersfield, change Huddersfield to Manchester, and then get a bus or get picked up from Manchester train station to get out the alternate. So two trains and a bus, basically. And then somehow try and get up at the crack of dawn on a Thursday morning after, you know, finishing on a Tuesday, Wednesday's off and get back. But if I was going back at the weekend, Mel would always try and pick me up and bring me in on a Monday morning. Travelling with the manager. There mm. we go. Yeah. Mm. And all he ever Nothing used... Nothing wrong with that at that age, John. All he, ever used to, all he ever used to speak about was Ryan Giggs, Man United. Yeah. Because Ryan Giggs had just burst on the scene there as a 16-year-old kid. Right. And that's all he used to speak about in the car. I think he was really good friends with, with Sir Alex Ferguson at the time, Mel. So when you when you came in, sitting down with your negotiation, did he mention the pre-season Norway thing to you then, discipline-wise or anything? He sort of he sort of got an inkling that you know he knew obviously he knew I'd made a few misdemeanors, but uh, I don't think anything could prepare him for when they actually signed me and where they actually put me, and so they put me in a hotel for six months. Now, it was initially three months. In Barnsley? In the middle. Of the nightlife. Slap bang right in the middle. And I mean right in the middle, 50 yards from the one and only nightclub in Barnsley. So it weren't a wreck leaving the Earl Stesses in the house then, were it? Well, no, no, exactly. And this is where I always say I changed from a boy into a man for them six months. You know, obviously... When I joined Barnsley, going back to your point about the negotiations, there was no negotiations. It was literally, this is how much you're getting. Uh, and I turned around and said, well, I want to sign an on-fair if you only pay me that much. I think they would pay me 300 quid a week. I said, well, I want to sign an on-fair. And he says, is sign an on-fair? I said, yeah. My Uncle James has told me to ask you for a sign <laughs> <laughs> So we went out of the office, come back in and said, right, we'll give you a couple of grand here and a couple of grand there. And I said, right, and I thought, Ralph, this is brilliant. You know, £300 a week and I think it was two and a half grand or something like that there, signing on fee, bang, every year or whatever. You know, it was peanuts, but I didn't care. At your age then, he weren't, were you? No, I didn't care. I didn't, I didn't really care. Did you get yourself a car with it? Well, I was before joining Barnsley... And leaving Man City, I just started taking my driving lessons. Right. So by the time I got the Barnsley, I took about four or five driving lessons 
while I was still living in the hotel and ended up taking my license but while still living in the hotel, or t sorry, taking my driving test while still living in the hotel and passing it first time, Happy which was a bonus. And then, but I just bought a house because Mel Messi said to me, first thing you do, buy a house. Make sure you buy a house. Whatever money you've got. So we, and I says, buy a house. Why, what am I going to buy a house with? Will a contract you've put me on? I'm on fucking peanuts here. Well, not a big house, Jerry. Yeah. Just buying a house. So I went and bought a house, right? I've only just turned 19. And I've just gone, any money I had, I put it down on a house. So I was skint. But right? still living in the hotel? And still living in the hotel. So I bought a house, but couldn't afford to live in it. The interest rates were like 15% at the time. Right, so I haven't got a clue what's going on, so I'm scrambling. So what is when I go back to saying uh, initially it was three months in the hotel. So I'm thinking oh, I need I can need, I need to stay longer. I can't afford to move out. I couldn't afford a sofa, a TV. The only thing I, I'd sort of I was begged stealing and borrowing from everybody. Can you borrow me a kettle, a toaster? But I managed to buy myself a bed. Uh, and that's all I had was a kettle of toaster and a bed. I didn't even have a TV. I had to borrow a black and white mini TV what from a friend. What year are we on here now? Right. And I'll, I'll tell you now. So I got the bed and I got a quilt, and the and the TV sat on the quilt cover on the you know the quilt box that the quilt came in <laughs> on the box that it came in. So I used to go there the odd night just to make sure no one had <clears throat> you know broken in and stayed the odd night. And it was what? like, <laughs> what have I done? <clears throat> what have I done? So I've gone into the manager and said, listen, I need more time. He says, you can't, you can't, if you want more time in the hotel, you're going to have to pay for it. And I said, I can't afford it. You told me to buy a house. I bought a house. I can't afford to live in. I have no money. I said, I'm living off bonuses, which are practically zero because we were second from bottom of the league when we joined. And uh, he said, let me go and have a word. So he went and had a word with a secretary. A guy called Michael Spinks at the time. And Spinks, he came in and said, right, you can have one more month. And I said, no, I need longer than that. And uh, he said, we can't have any longer. And it just came to me, like a light bulb moment. They started selling all these T-shirts with, with my name on it because I'd come, come to Bol uh, Barnsley, scored on my debut, broke my wrist in a reserve match midweek before my debut. So I had to have a big bandage put on my wrist. And uh, <clears throat> so they started selling all these T-shirts saying, ooh, Jerry, Jerry's Ireland's number one. So when he came back into the room, I said, well, I said, I've, I've got no money, but he's selling all these T-shirts or flying out the door and I'm not saying any money. Image rights. So even then, back in the night, I, I was all over. So it just came, <laughs> image rights. It was That's a good libel thing. moment there, <clears throat> right? Yeah. So he goes out again. And uh, has a word with Spanksy, and that's where I got the six months from. He said, you can have it till the end of the season. Once the end of the season comes, you're out. That's it. So that's why I ended up. It was the end of May. So from, so not six months, say five, five months. So from January till the end of May, I stayed in the hotel because of that light bulb moment of image rights. So tall, then. Yeah. When were your nights out? Was it like regimented? You knew you were going out and not? What do you mean, regimented? So, like, Mondays, it must be, or Earl Stessies, or Ambulance Night, or Student Monday, Night. Monday night, 
at Japanese Whispers was free in for women. So ladies' night. Ladies' night. So if there was no midweek game, bang. Every Monday. Wednesday night was pots for rags, they called it. <clears throat> so any, they let anybody in, basically. Hippies, bikers, rockers. Even you'd get in. Right. I knew that was coming. So Wednesday night. Thursday night was a really good night as well. Friday night, I didn't go out, obviously. And then obviously Saturday was, especially if you won, you know, it was great. Saturday night in Barnsley was... A... Oh, so you were popping out three or four nights a oh, week? Oh, yeah, yeah, well, it was easy, wasn't it? Single guy. Yeah, for six months, for them five, six months, I was in the hotel, yeah. It, it was not in them. But yeah, if I'm being honest, I was in Japanese whispers at least three nights a week, every week. <laughs> Living life. Living life. As, as a 19-year-old kid, trying to dig your team out of a relegation, so much thankfully we did. So what was your thoughts then on the house then? Was it a case of, right, I'll hang on to it, <clears throat> hopefully I have a good finish to the to the season and then get an improved contract? Contract, yeah. That's exactly what happened. So yeah. in the season, I managed to... There was a furniture shop about a couple hundred yards down the street, again in the middle of Barnsley. So I went in there uh, and did it on hire purchase, whatever, you know, on the Never Never. So I bought a three-piece suite that cost me, like, you know, I don't know, £70 a week, something like that, or £60 a week. So, but the amount of payments I used to miss, it was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable. We had more important things, didn't you, to do? And then... <laughs> Japanese whispers. <clears throat> yeah. the, the guy, the guy who uh, <clears throat> lent me his TV, his black and white portable TV out of his bedroom, his sister worked in an estate, estate agent and she said she'd do a little bit of PR work for me. So she went round all the garages, all the, you know, the car garages, doing a bit of PR work and one said they'd give me a free car, a company car, and they had to spread my name over it, right? Over the side of the car. Jerry Tiger sponsored by blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I'm driving around Barnsley now in a, in a car. I've got a Fiat Tempo, right, it was. And I, well, brand spanking new, unbelievable. I just had to do a few bits for them, which was fine. And uh, so I've moved in my house. I've got a brand new car for free. I've got a three-piece suite that I can't afford to pay for. <laughs> a mortgage at 15.5%. And I remember after about a week, I'm a week in, and I just double garage. So I decided to park my car in the double garage, didn't I? scrape all the way down the driver's side of the car. First time in the double garage. I had to get it rejigged. So on one side was my name sponsored by it. On this side, it was just blank. So the first time I've parked this sponsored, brand spanking new sponsored car in my garage, I've scraped the whole driver's side. Didn't go down too well. Didn't last too long. Double garage as well. Double garage, yeah. Not I put all my eggs in one, in one basket. Yeah. And, you know, thankfully came out the other side, but I'm telling you, it was like, it took about three years, three, four years before, you know, I got, I seen my bank account, you know, start to rise with any, you know, consistency. Well, you could have stayed in a couple of days a week, you know, well, that would have well, helped. No, well, <laughs> paying for drinks, then, were you I was living out in the States, I was living out, you know, near, I was living in Penniston, which is about seven, eight miles from Barnsley. So it was a bit more secluded, you know, 
bit more quiet. Well, a bit more, so then getting out of Barnsley was obviously the best thing to do, so I could concentrate on the football. Still mage as a man, though, when you're that young age and yeah. in the yeah. time. You've still got to go out and have a laugh, haven't you? Yeah, of course you're right. you got to grow and live, haven't you? Like, obviously, living in the hotel didn't help. You know, instead of going out once a week, you know, it was two, two or three. But that that was only, as I say, for, for six months, something like that. Back to the football, though. You started playing all the time, didn't you? Yeah. Doing well, making a name for yourself. I think Viv come in, then probably shine more with Danny, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, Danny, well, Viv and Danny came in, but Danny was player coach. <clears throat> and we had a coach called Eric Winstanley who was doing the youth team, but they were looking for a coach. First team coach, Viv and Danny. So they brought Eric up, and Eric was phenomenal. Best coach I've ever worked with in my life. Danny Barnum. speaks highly. Danny said a lot of good things. Oh, unbelievable coach. And Viv was a great lad, but manager, I'm not so sure. So Viv left after a year, and he was still playing, Viv. He was player manager, Danny was player coach. So, you know, they were getting two for the price of one, effectively, you know, the, the board at, Barn at Barnsley. You know, getting a player manager and a player coach and, and two players, you know, for, for the price of one. Do you know what I mean? Or the price of two players. So, you know, it worked both ways. Viv left, Danny became manager, and straight away you could see this guy knows what he's doing as a manager. And he was player manager. He actually won player of the year that year as player manager. It was he, his last season as a player, and he was phenomenal as a player. He said yeah. he felt fit as oh, fit man, as he anything, was brilliant. but he couldn't do the jobs, just couldn't yeah. do them. He was brilliant. Playing-wise, he won player of the year. I thought I was going to win it, because I had my best season that year. And it was mainly down to Eric, his coaching. Everybody loved coming in the morning, going coaching. Like buzzing, everybody buzzing. Every morning coming in. Come on, Eric, what have you got for us today? But you, you had know. some great players, because we won with Danny mentioned here, but you did well for you, Neil Redfern. Neil Redfern, yeah, absolutely brilliant. You know, it was Mel Machen that signed Reddle from, I think it was Charlton or somewhere like that. You know, and he, he was a big part of Oldham getting promoted right. to, the, to the Premier League. When it, when it formed. Uh, and then he got transferred down to London. Didn't work out for him. And Mel Machen snapped him up and brought him eight. See straight away with Reddo. He was top player. Could score a goal. Oh, man, top player. And then, again, when Danny became the manager, he just flourished even more. You know, all, everyone flourished under Danny. There's no doubt about it. You know, and, and our, with Eric and his coaching, his coach, you know, I'd say, best coach I've ever worked Your last for. season there, you were so unlucky. Finished six in the league. Yeah. But then they're only one going into the play, uh, Premiership, so they're only yeah. four, so it's only the top five. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. lucky there, aren't you? Yeah, we, we needed to, I think we needed to win on the last day, um, I think we drew away, I can't remember, I think it might have been South End or somewhere, somewhere like that. We needed to get a result. <clears throat> we needed to get three points, and we, we ended up with one, and that unfortunately just kept us out. And I was out of contract then. And, you know, I... I say I had, I had my best season in the championship so far, and I know then, like I'm ready. People asking. I'm, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to move up. Move up. Agents coming to you then, or anything? Yeah, I had an agent anyway already when I was at Barnsley, uh, and there was a few murmurings from a few different teams. So, what clubs were interested? Uh, well, I was actually on holiday when Danny phoned me. I was lying on a beach somewhere, you know, half 
and blocked, uh, as you can imagine. And Danny phoned me up and goes, do you want to go to Villa or do you want to go to Bolton? I says, well, I'll go to Villa. You would, wouldn't you? Bigger club. Yeah. You would. So, didn't really know that much about either side, to be honest with you, even though, but like you say, I'll go to Villa. Uh, he says, right, leave it with me, put the phone down. Never heard anything back. Uh, and then, obviously, you get back off your holiday, you make a phone calls, what's happening? I said, well, we haven't heard anything back. I don't know what the crack was. Well, it was a transfer fee. Well, I didn't know. That transpired later that Man City had a somewhere in the region of a 30 to 50% sell-on clause. Not a 10%, not a 15%, not a 20%. It was massive. Big in. Massive. And I think because of that, Barnsley were asking over the odds to cut their, you know, the So profit. they get a bit. So they get a bit yeah. more. And I think that might have scored Villa off. Uh, I'm glad it did. So... And then, obviously, it was Tranmere had actually come in at the last minute, but my mind was made up. If it's not Villa, it's definitely Bolton. So, yeah. So um, you joined Bolton. Yeah. 1.5 million, club mm -hmm. record fee at that time. Yes. And First million came. pound player. <laughs> and you came, and it was obviously joint managers at that time, Colin yeah. Todd and Roy McFarland. How did the meetings initially go? Yeah, all right. Uh, I'm trying to think. If they were both in on, on the actual signing itself, something that's a bit hazy, I'll be honest with you. But initially when I met them both, you know, everything seemed fine. You know, you know, Roy McFarlane, gentleman, uh Toddy obviously, you know, what transpired was more more on the coaching side as such. But, you know, both very pleasant gentlemen, both very easy to deal with. Again, the deal was done very, very quickly. Uh, this time I had my agent in on it, so he took care of that side of business. You know, I actually joined Bolton for less money than uh, Barnsley offered me. Did they? And, and people don't know that. Wages-wise? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Even for Pro a long Probably time. near enough half of what Bolton I, I, I joined Bolton for. Barnsley offered me substantially more to stay. Wow. And I turned it down because I wanted to play in the Premier League. That's it, because Bolton just got promoted then, didn't they? Yeah. So I, it was I had wow. nothing to do with money yet again. Yeah. Uh, it was all down to playing in the Premier League. The opportunity. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So Barnsley basically emptied the bucket to try and keep me. And I turned it down to play in the Premier League with Bolton. And, and people don't know that. No. So people think, oh, you you know, some Barnsley big fans might think yeah. big money move because they see the 1.5 million. But actually, the reality was I was actually earning less money. Did Bolton. you ask for more, though? Or did you just No, they, they chucked it at me. Because I said, I, I need to leave. I'm, I'm 24, nearly 25. I need to play. I need to go to the Premier League. I'm ready for it. You know, I'm, I think I can handle it. I think I can do a job there. Nothing against the people of Barnsley or Barnsley Football Club, but because they hadn't gone up that season and I got to that stage in my career where I, I need to move. I've been there nearly six years. You were ready. Yeah. You know, you, you can go through all the questions why you want to leave or why you want to stay. And they were all erring on the side of you've got to leave. You know, you've done your time. It hadn't quite worked out. You hadn't got 
So it was time, it was literally a natural progression for me to try and get out of the Championship and into the Premier League. Did you never say to Bolton, like Barnsley have offered minutes to say, can you match me? No. Or your agent? Or were you, did you just want to play in the Premier I just wanted to play. Didn't want to scupper the move in any way. Yeah, absolutely. Because it was, it was basically, by that stage, the last, last chance alone. Yeah. Hard season, that first season. Though, wasn't yeah, it? difficult Hard. season. You have a few injuries? Yeah. Well, I, I pulled my thigh yeah. muscle. I've never pulled my thigh muscle in, in my career. But I tore my thigh muscle in pre-season game against it. Was it Dundee United we played? Or Aberdeen? Came down to Burnham Park pre-season. Aberdeen did. Yeah, Aberdeen it was. And I, and I tore my thigh muscle, kept me out for three and a half months. And you that's pre-season. Injury. It's probably the worst thing a player wants. I've never it? done it before and never done it since. So it was a really strange injury uh, for me to, to have. I've done hamstrings. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You know, knee ligaments, twisted yeah. my ankle, but never, never torn a thigh muscle. So straight from the bat, I'm on the back foot. So you've got yourself in the door. Again, talking about the joint manager situation. Yeah. How did you find that then? <clears throat> very, very strange. I'd say initially the conversations were good. You know, two really nice chaps. Yeah. Couldn't really. But as far as them working in tandem as joint managers, it was strange. It, you, I'm not saying you were getting ideas off one manager and then somebody else would say something different, but even as a player, you, you're looking for one little ounce of inspiration or knowledge or information that will improve you as a player. And you're hearing it off one guy and then hearing something slightly different off the other one. And so as a player, that confuses you. I know which road to go from, would you? Sorry, yeah, exactly. So there was all that on the training pitch, you know, just conflicting. Even though they'd played together, you know, for a huge part of their careers and were really successful together as a centre-half partnership, on the training pitch and and the things that they were saying, and it just didn't work. It just didn't work. It just it was confusing for the whole squad. You need a leader, don't you? Well, you, you need do. a one-man in charge, yeah. don't you? I, I think as players, it was very, how would you put awkward for the players, I would say. Yeah. You know, nobody wanted to undermine either one of the, the managers, uh, you know, but... The feeling was, if you went to Roy, you were undermining Colin. Yeah. If you went to Colin, you were undermining Roy. Yeah. And, you know, it was trying to make the best of a bad situation. No, absolutely. I think, like you say, you've got two guys here who have, you know, won the league, 
with Derby. You know, two proper players play for England. Exactly. You know, two proper internet. You know, they're they're proper players, and so you know you're you're a you're in, in all of them somewhat when you first go in, but by the end of it, you sort of lost that. I'm not saying you lost respect for them, but you lost that. They they lost that sort of. Spot. That presence, that presence that was in the dressing room between them, you know, they, they definitely lost it. And I say the players were looking around at each other and going... So it affected the team, that, definitely. I have to, unfortunately, you have to say that it did. There, there's no there's no getting away from that. I think Bolton were a growing club as well. You said earlier on, before we press record... We never had a training pitch properly. Did you yeah. get trained at Burnham Park and get in the car and Yeah, and drive ten minutes down the road. And I, I don't think that helped. You know, well, even at Barnsley, they had their own training facility. I don't think there'd be another premiership club had to do that that year, would there? Well, we, we were in the midst of moving to mm. to Exton, you yeah. know, but not quite there at that time. But uh, but going back to your, your move, Jerry, right, and, and as a centre back yourself, did you look upon it as Two England centre backs. I can learn a lot from these two yeah. guys, and it's going to take my my game forward. Unbelievable. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know that was it. I learned. I already learned a lot under Eric and Danny at Barnsley. But you're going up a level. Yeah. You're going up two levels. Yeah. You're going to la creme de la creme. You're going to you're going to you're going to get coached and taught by two players who have played right at the top of the game. You know, for a long period of time, internationals. So you can't help but you know and look around and go right. This is what I need to succeed. And for whatever reason, you know, every every individual player or everybody who was in that dressing room at that time will have their own individual account of how it made them feel. I just thought there was a lot of confusion. Uh, it wasn't coherent enough. Uh, you know, John's got his. You know, you didn't want to undermine one against the other. Absolutely. You know, that was another reason why it didn't work. Uh, just bring it back, because we've said at the beginning, like, big R, Jerry Taggart. How was it, mentally, signing, first over a million pound player, instead of getting that injury and not be there yeah. in three months? Oh, listen, I, I never, I never, I was never good when I was injured, anyway, as a person. And you sort of look back on it now, and you can analyse yourself as a person, and you can, you can analyse your career, you can analyse yourself as an individual. But I used to get, I never used to think I used to get depressed. I know it's flavour of the month, the word depression, but when I'm going about when I was a player, trying to get to the top of your game and then getting injured and not being involved. Missing that I thing. hated the treatment room. I hated the gym. I wasn't a player that went in the gym and, and did this on a, on a leg curler. I didn't like, I liked being out on the pitch with the players. You know, that's, were well every player wants to be there. No one no one no one deals well with being injured, but it's only when I look back you sort of realise that I was probably a bit more depressed than even Hard I time thought. Then. Yeah, absolutely. What? So well, so go back to what you're actually saying. So the pressure's on me, first and foremost, because of the fee. All right. Team the struggling bowling. as well, aren't Team they? struggling and I'm out injured. Right. And and I have to say, like, not only did I suffer injury-wise, but, you know, I hit the bottle a bit as well, you know, during that time. Is that because you've got so much time for doing nothing? Because you're not involved travelling with the team? Not You've just got 
so much time on your hands. What yeah, you and I think as well, you know, again, going back to the setup of Bolton at that time, they weren't equipped. Bolton weren't equipped to deal with injured players on a a semi-individual basis. You know, with one physio and you, Hewan had 10, 12, or five, six players, seven players. He couldn't split his time, you know, between every player. He'd give you a set of things to do. Yeah. And, and, and if there was no one over, overlooking you, you know, by the time you'd done your three or four sets and you maybe had to do five or six, you're like, you, you get, by the time you're in that gym for an hour, an hour and a half, you've just fed up with the back teeth. You know, so same you need walls, you need everything. that motivation, and also the fact is, Jerry, because you were a little bit of a longer term one, you would prioritise on people who on could people get on the pitch next quicker. week. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. So you kind of get left out on a limb, don't you, on your yeah. own? Deal with it yourself. Yeah. And like you said, if you're a little bit down as well because of it, it just goes from bad to Absolutely. worse. Absolutely. You know, again, people deal with being injured differently, or people yeah. love going in the gym and doing their weights and everything. I just wasn't one of them people. I wanted to be out on the pitch training. Real I football, the wants to be football, isn't it? That's where I, bang. Let's and I think other than that, I didn't cope with it well. I, I couldn't watch games. I couldn't sit in the stand and watch a team. Yeah, you needed to be there. You know, I, I needed to be in the middle of it all. Let's go to happy time. So we got relegated, you got in the team, started playing, season after. What a season. Yeah. For Barnsley and Bolton. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Man City, Wolves, spending yeah. a lot of money. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to take you back. That's it. Who were your room? Was a roommate then, or did you have your own? Yeah, roommate? Chris Fairclough. I'm glad you mentioned him because yeah. I brought him in with your podcast. I think that season he played virtually every game. Yeah, you, you missed two or three, and he missed two or three. Yeah, what a man he was. Oh, I know, quality. He's he's my hero. Yeah, yeah. He's did a you learn a lot from him? Yeah. Or you just yeah. click you two? You just yeah, brilliant. no, he was brilliant for me. He he, he was obviously. <clears throat> one of the most experienced pros, and if not the most experienced pro in the squad at the time. Yeah. And obviously still playing. And I'll always remember. So the first game we played, Port Vale away. Uh, I mean, they took a lead. We, I think Tomo equalised, yeah. actually. I mean, we, we, we didn't scrape a 1-1. One -one. We were a better team, but we just couldn't score on the end. But we weren't free-flowing that day. And... Uh, but we got a 1-1 draw. So, decent start of the season. And then the first away game, overnight stop game, was QPR away. So, it goes down to London. And, and obviously, you don't know who you're rooming with until you get on the bus on the Friday and Colin, Colin Todd goes, right, you're rooming with Mamba, Chris Fairclough. Right, brilliant. Uh, and then we get in the hotel room. And obviously, you go down, you have your dinner at 7 o'clock. You hang around, have a chat the players watch a bit of TV or whatever or go in the bar and watch a bit of TV not have a drink just ask where the TV used to be and then you go to bed round about I don't know half eight something like that so gets up to the room and uh, just telly's on fiddling about you know there's there's not a lot to do back in them days there's no gadgets that you can social be playing media, on social media games, and nothing yeah. So mama goes, right, I'm off, I'm off for a bath. And uh says, right, no problem. So Mamba just disappears into the bathroom. And he's in there for some considerable time, I have to say. So you think, yeah, I'll go for a bath, 10, 15 minutes, you know. And then I don't know, about half an hour, 40 minutes later, the door opens and all this fucking steam comes out of the bathroom. You know. 
you know, it was like a scene out of the stars in your eyes, you know, Matthew Kelly. Well, all the small. Yeah. And, and following the steam was this big black rock of a man. Godlike. Like godlike figure, like fucking built out of granite. Fucking Terminator standing in front of me. <laughs> and, I, and the old gleam, and you know, all the, the, the water, sort of the muscles pumping out, fucking Because he was solid, wasn't he? Oh, oh. man. I mean, yeah. what a guy. And he just goes, all right, Tags. I goes, what, what the fuck have you been doing in there? And he says, well, I've been stretching in the bath, having a hot bath, stretching. And, and he comes around me, and he's fucking bollock naked, no towel, whatever. He sits on the bed, right, and he starts fucking stretching again. Naked? Right? Bollock naked, right? So I'm sat there watching fucking Friends or something. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And Mamba's stretching in. He gets on the floor and he's rolling his back and, you know, stretching his hammies. And he goes through all this rigmarole of stretching for at least half an hour. I promise you, half an hour. And I says, do you do that every game? He says, every game. Night before a game, hot bath, and I spend half an hour stretching before a game. He says, you should fucking try it because it makes me feel a lot better. Please tell me so, I tried it now. So, you. literally, I'm fucking all my gears off. <laughs> Recreated. <laughs> all my fucking gears off. I'm in the fucking bath, running the bath, in the bath, for 10, 15 minutes, comes out, and we're both on the fucking bed, stretching away, like two proper professional footballers. Right? <laughs> you undressed then, or did you put Oh, on yeah, we're on? all bollock naked, aren't I? No fucking about <laughs> Both men, you know, we're not interested in sizes back then, don't worry about that. Well, we were a bit, but only when there was more than two of us. And that was, again, a light bulb moment for me. Oh, so, so you felt better for it? Yeah, well, just the way he... Preparation. Just his preparation was key. Not just the stretching bit, although that was big. So I, I probably I was there stretching away, my mum, the night before the QPR game. But just the way he prepared... His preparation but better than everyone was else's, fucking... Yeah. He, he so he's going to be on it from the start of a match, isn't he? He's blinkered, forward, oh yeah. But that's when you start thinking about the game as well. Exactly. And the difference being, Mamba was... He was a standard. Yeah. He set the standard. So, I'll tell you now, right? We go out the next day, we play QPR. I think Tomo scores again, doesn't he? And, and again, yeah, obviously. We'll win 2-1, right? But right at the death, QPR get in our box and there's a, a square ball or a, a little diagonal ball goes to the edge. Say the just inside the edge of the six-yard box, about 10 yards out. And it's 2-1 to us. And they, they've got a free shot and goal. And I've fucking sprinted as fast as I could. And I've dangled the leg out. We've got a great yeah. thumbnail here, John. <laughs> There you go, dangled the leg out, and this guy shot straight at my foot. Gold scoring opportunity, uh, point blank range, and I've got a good solid block away, ball's gone away. And that's when I thought, that's because of that stretching. And we won the game 2-1. And if you could find that clip, I'd love you to see it. It's one of the best challenges I've ever made. And no one knows about it because it was QPR away in 1996 or whenever it was. I love the for it. Instant payback for the Instant for the payback. So that's when the penny dropped. And yeah. joking about, did you do the stretching? Every it, week, every week. They were like, did, did you tell the lads or just keep this to yourself? 
Well, everyone had their own yeah. preparation, didn't they? I'm not saying all the lads didn't prepare right, but I'm just talking that, about me. You've learned that from a proper pro. Like I, I would, you know, in the warm up before training, I would actually, I would do the stretching. You know, I would, you know, because a lot of the players back when myself and John played, before training, you do five, ten minutes stretching and fucking half of them would just toss it off. But I would be, I'd always do the stretching. Proper. Proper. And you don't want to be injured again. You've exactly. But this was an extra level. This was going an extra, you know, an extra Proper yard corner. just to prepare properly. And then all your eating habits come into place. Uh, what you eat, you know, so from not just eating on a Friday when it was all, say, on a away game where it's all prepared for you and you only have a choice when you're going home, when it's a home game, what you're eating, what you're eating for your pre-match meal. You know, I played with a guy, Tony Cotty, he used to have, top player, Tony Cotty, he used to have a fry-up, full English breakfast on a Saturday morning for breakfast and not have a pre-match meal. You know, you go further back, they talk about steak and eggs and all this. Yep. But now you're starting to, slowly but surely starting to sink in that you've got to start preparing right for football. Were the club doing that as well then, training grounds and more <clears throat> physios or anything? No. no. We didn't have the facilities back then at that time. So... The onus was on yourself. Get yeah. So Chris Fairclough for me sort of in, started to embed some important points of professionalism. Prepar- professionalism. Proper stuff. But the season yeah. went great, but touching earlier on, there were some big hitters there, weren't there? Man yeah. City, Wolves spent yeah. a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. So we were always having a ding dong with Wolves. Battle of Burndom, yeah. when I bring you up, because I even remember the mascots fighting. What do you remember of it? I. Oof. I remember quite a bit, actually. I remember John Sheridan's kicked he it off. He started it. He yeah. started it, Shez. Shez. Well, he's hard as nails, and he's yes. a wee man in it. Shez. He started it. And then, obviously, I'm on the edge of the R18 yard box, so, and all I see is a smelly. And I thought, I've got to get involved in this. I'll have, I'll, I'll have a bit of this. <laughs> yeah, I'll have a bit of this. So I just start running, and I just sort of got myself in the middle of it all. And the next thing I know, I've got... I think it's Neil, Neil Emblem in one hand and Keith Curl on the other. You know, and they're all trying to get in and I'm just sort of holding them there. And I look around and I see Chris Fairclough. And uh, this is another reason why he's my hero, all-time hero, Chris Fairclough. Steve Bull and Chris Fairclough having a to-do. And Chrissy just, bang, throws a right hand. And Steve Bull just goes, boom, straight to the ground. Out of it. And I just... <laughs> this is just class. This is like playing Gaelic back home. Because that's what Gaelic pitches used to be like on a Sunday afternoon. You can pop there was all, you, you, could all, you could always stick a punch in, more than one. There was always a melee. So this was like pennies from heaven for me, just getting involved in all this. And you, you didn't mind taking a few. It was a big atmosphere that game, I was there. Oh, it was a massive game. It was a massive game. There was a massive build-up, wasn't there? It was kind of... Last chance alone for Wolves, wasn't Yeah, it? they were sort of slipping away and they had the call. They needed to beat us. We didn't have to win. But ideally, you don't want to lose that game. Do you know what I mean? But listen. Finished them off, didn't it? That l- game listen, before. we weren't losing that game. No. We were just on so much of a run. The form, you know, we brought, bringing Purr in and smurfing. Michael Johansson was, was class. Uh, Tomo was flying in oh. midfield. Tomo was exceptional. I have to say. Blakey. Yeah, Blakey and, and McGinnis. I've got to ask, what was this lad like? Yeah. Scott oh, Sellers. 
Scotty Sellers on the left. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, silky you know. one him. And then obviously you've got Mamba and myself and Goodney. And Goodney. At the back, so you've got good were we experience. Playing, were we playing three at the back then? No, no. Goodney would play right back. Goodney right back. Was it? Yeah. Damn. Jimmy Phillips left back. Jimmy Phillips left back. So we we were solid at the back. You know, we had good experience, and with you know, with with me, obviously, you had a bit of someone who was you know big game, solid game, yeah, game. Uh, and then the lads in front of us were just flying. Did Burkhoff get sent off then? No. No. Nobody. No one got sent off. Nobody. That changed the course history, don't you realise that? That battle oh. burning. Because they couldn't find us. They could only find us for not being in con- not keeping the players in control. Control the players. Right. And being in- yeah. And so after fine now that so, I, so after that, they they went back. So after that incident, because there were so many punches being thrown and this, that and the other, they decided that they could have retrospective action. And that battle of burn didn't change the rules. So now, you know, like, they go back now and say, well, he stood on my toe or he held me in the face off the ball. Then right. go back and look at that now and you can get a ban. So that changed how, how they brought that If out. I've got footage, it's on there now, but Jerry, how many people would have got sent off that night? There you go. What do you reckon? Six, at least. Seriously? A good chance. Well, what I could see. What I could see. Well, you say. could say six. six so Shez, definitely. Yep. Mama, definitely. Me, definitely. Uh, one or two, Steve Ball would have got sent off. Uh, and then in, in where all the melee is, where McGinn was, by the way, sneaky, little digs going off, stuff like that there like you don't see. Was because he, there's so much going off at the same time. What was he like, McGinley, round the town, dressing room? Listen, I, he's not come in with a big chain. <laughs> Round his neck, and a, you know, a big guy. Red coat. Big red coat. He is not the Lord Murabolt, and I'll never know. For what reason? Let's just say, I know they do freedom of the city. Is it a city, Bolt? It is a city, isn't it? No, it's a no. town. The time. Freedom of the freedom time. Freedom of the time. He's not got that. Literally, when John stepped out onto the street, it's like the Pied Piper. Remember the Pied Piper Hamlin? When all the animals followed him, all the rats followed him. Well, that was, that's what it was like when John McGinley stepped out onto the street in Bolton. All the followers just came to listen and watch. Man could do anything, could do no wrong. Is it a bit like a teacher's pet as well with managers? Well, I suppose it's like anything else. The hardest thing in the world to do is score goals. And when you're scoring as many goals as McGinley's, you can't. Go against that. You're not going to upset the apple cart. You're not going to up, especially not upset your top goal scorer. And so, I wouldn't say he's a teacher's pet. Let's say that some things that McGinn did were overlooked by managers and coaching staff alike. That may not be overlooked on the normal it, people. On the on your everyday normal professional footballer. Well, John, there's rumours the manager were giving you massages. I don't know if that's true, Jared. Well. Only John McGinley can answer that, but I have heard that it is a true story. Just the one time, one <laughs> one and done. But uh, no, I, listen, I I, I realise that, and but I would have to give a lot of credit to my my strike partner Blakey as well because he was yeah, absolutely yeah, he was that season. He was phenomenal Does, that season. Was there not partnerships all over the team? Yeah, all that? yeah. 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 Uh, this is no hang. Credit the Colin Todd, right? And I think. 
Toddy goes under the radar as, be, as a manager for me. But he had balance in every position in that yeah. team. So we had me as a left-sided centre-half, left-footed. Jimmy Phillips, a left-footed left-back. Scott Sellers, a left-footed left-winger. Alan Thompson, a left-footed central midfielder. Nathan Blake, a left-footed centre-forward. And then obviously the same on the right, right-footed players playing. Yeah. And it worked an absolute treat. And everyone got on. Unbelievable. I don't, well, I can't remember any scuffs in the dressing room. What was that Lots stuff of, you were telling me about on a trip with Jared? Yeah, but that wasn't that players wasn't, on player. That wasn't green on green. That, I know, but it's still a conversation. That was green on green. Had, lads, I'm telling you now. Well, conversation. A, nothing was, happened in the end. Just no, but it's no. still a great conversation, isn't it? You well, can't leave this out. <laughs> What was that? Was that pre-season trip or was it yeah, end of season trip? Yeah, end so, of season well, trip. Was it not a middle of the season trip even? Might even have been a middle of the season yeah. trip. Just are we? Because we were doing so well, he took us away for a few l- days. Are we live enough? Warm yeah. weather training. Was Warm weather training. Yeah. yeah, but I think it it goes. We ended up in a little bar. Jerry, myself, Scott Green. Scott Green had had maybe a couple too many, probably two. Mm. Well, he wasn't a big drinker anyway. Also, I mean, he probably had two two yeah. shandies, yeah. like, and he was like. Giving it the bit of the, the wobble. Yeah. And uh, my recall is he kind of stumbled on the bar, spilt a few drinks, mm. and there was people just appeared from nowhere. And all of a sudden, we're hiked out the place. And all I remember is <laughs> you standing there, a load of people at the door kind of telling us to do one, and you're just there saying, send out six of your best, mate. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm saying to you, Maybe three, Jerry. Maybe not six, but, uh, but you're not six. Send out six of your best. Yeah, but John, I don't know if you realise. I still have my pint on the bar. I haven't finished my drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. what it was. Anyway, nothing came of it. No, I'm no, sorry. I think you were laughing. I think it's great. That come on, six of your best. Yeah. Don't worry, John. I've got this. Come on, Pedro. Well, he did, and he would have had best. it as well. Yeah. Let's bring you back to the final game. Already promoted, Charlton at all. Yeah. Big game. You wanted to win just the occasion. Well, the league was in the bag, but... 100 points, 100 goals, I think the press were going right now, 100 points, 100 goals. Mm. Yeah, I think the last game, a tram there... was away, the, yeah. the, the lads were devastated. Yeah, two, two. They scored, actually, that's a few minutes. Yeah, right on. it was devastating in the dressing room, even though, you know... Even so anyway, home. last game at Burnham Park, again, pressure's on us. The, the league is in the bag... Uh, we're flying, but the pressure's on us because it's the last game at Burnham Park. Big occasion. Well, it was on it? me. I know I felt it. It was a big occasion we all felt for everybody. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we I mean, people are still, yeah. So I just remember, I remember doing an interview. Because uh, I was, me and Bergney, when Bergney, Goodney Bergson, sorry, wasn't playing, I was captain of the team. So I was, you know, I, I was sort of like, not the go-to person, but I would get interviewed quite a lot that season because we were doing so well. I remember doing an interview about, you know, we, we want to make sure the fans leave with a win. It's important. You know, even though we've won the league, we don't want to leave. We don't want to finish this game tonight going away, you know, losing this game of football. So there was pressure on us to make sure that we did that. And we didn't. And, we didn't really perform the first half, did we? Oh, we was it Mark shocking. Kinsella with a yeah. yes. screamer? Yeah, top good, good player. Yeah. Good player, Mark Kinsella. No. Screamer, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, I'm well capable of pulling that off, Mark Kinsella. Yeah. 
you know, it wasn't that's not a fluke for me because they were a decent side, Charlton. Of course, played good football. Yeah, they were a decent side. Were they talking the week like who wants to score the last goal? Because you're always winning. We already knew that was going to happen. There was no talk about it, but we already knew. You know, you're here in the dressing room, you know, McGinn scoring the last goal. We knew, we knew, we knew, we knew it was going to happen. You know, it was written in the stars before we even walked onto the pitch. But you got one though, didn't you? I did. Before McGinn, didn't you? I did. Remember, was it? Again, probably one of my best finishes ever. I think I've only got one other goal I can probably top that with, and that was against Germany for Northern Ireland. But yeah, that was probably the most depth finished, shall we say. Touch my angel. Yeah. Must have been the flash boots you had on. Flash boots, yeah. yeah. Well, again, you know, again, because of the run-up to the last game, you know, and I was wearing Deodora boots to pull out this red pair for me for that game especially. And I... Did you not want... Were you not thinking... And I think if you see in the... In the goal celebration, I think McGinn's actually holding my boot up to the crowd like out there. So boots. yeah, so we all, it all sort of knew. But yeah, listen, it was an unbelievable evening. Uh, needless to say, we made the most of it oh. as well that evening. Do you reckon John got you in a few places? I, this is the one thing I was <laughs> going to say. Listen, Liam, there was no queuing in Bolton when the game was out. No, you didn't queue for anywhere. You know, Ritzy, whatever. Nobody was queuing when the game was in town. Straight to the front of the queue, straight in. That Brilliant. team, though, could celebrate. Could yeah. play, could fight, could celebrate. Yeah. The we, lot. We could do a, the lot. Do a bit of everything, couldn't we? The lot. Simple as that. No, it was a phenomenal evening, phenomenal season. Mm. You know. Friends for life there as well. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I think you've, you've won so much, you're gonna be all good. Yeah, you life, know, you know, we had a we had an evening at at the, the old Reebok stadium. It's, obviously, it's called something else now. It keeps changing its name. Every... Bolton fans will always call it the Reebok. The Reebok. So yeah. the Reebok Stadium. <clears throat> And uh, to see so many guys turn up was crazy. Said it all in, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Crazy. Was and, that a late night? Uh, not too bad. I had a bit of man flu that evening, so I took I scudded off a bit earlier than not, I normally would, but great to see the lads. And it, obviously all courtesy of John sorting it all. And we said we need to get a few more, like golf days, whatever, keep it going, you know, because it was just like slipping back in time. No, Goodney Bergson came over. From Iceland? Uh, yeah. yeah. Per, uh, Michael Johansson came over from Denmark. Per couldn't come over because he had a game the next day because he's a manager in Denmark. But he would have come, so he made us a video. It was brilliant. It was a great night. Absolutely great night. Oh, Premiership. Things are changing. Hmm. Reebok. New ground. Oh, was it? First three games you have to play away? Yes. No, more than that. Was it, it was the first five weeks. Was it, yeah. it was five weeks into the season before we had yeah, the home before game. we play. It was meant to be the first three games, yeah. but yeah, but it didn't turn out that way or something. So, so let's get it straight. John's nicked the goals off you, so you can't be the last person scoring the Reebok. Yeah. Because John scored two. But we played Everton. Mm-hmm. First game. First home game. Everton. You were a nice header. Well, I don't really remember that much about it. I remember, I think it was Craig Short was marking me from set pieces. And we have that corner come in. And you know, all I remember is it's a, it's a battle to win the first contact between me and Craig Short. Burning man, Craig Short, six foot four, I'm six foot two, but I'm fucking winning it. You're having it. I'm having it. So I don't care where the ball goes. I'm having it. I am winning that first contact. And thankfully, 
are unthankful. You know, I managed to get my head on it first and steer it somewhere towards goal. And then Nathan Blake has a big part to play in it as well because he goes up with uh, with a keeper, Neville Southall, puts him off. And you can see the ball clearly cross the line. As I say, I from where I was, because me and Craig Short had gone, you know, we're like full blown bang. I'm I'm probably on the floor by the time the ball, you know, goes over the line. So I don't really have too much idea of what's actually happening at that moment in time, but it's a reaction from these guys. They know. And then they know. They know. And when you look across, you know, I've seen the clip and I hate watching it. Not not because it's me scoring the first goal, but because of what it meant in the bigger scheme of things. But I hate watching it. And people always remind me every now and again about it. And you see the clip and on Sky Sports News and whatever else. And it's, it's sickening to watch, okay. even to this day. You feel cheated. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was at least 12, 18 inches over the line. Yeah. At least. Yeah. And if you can't see that as a, an assistant referee... Don't say that. It's you shouldn't the, be doing the job. Sorry, Phil died, but he's a friend of the show. You, I don't give a fuck. But he is. He's a fucking idiot for not missing it. Sorry, Phil. I'm sure you're a lovely bloke off the pitch. He is We're a really nice bloke. Jerry. On the pitch, yeah. you fucked up. Do you want to get him back? There's a chance. So when we go out golfing, there's a yeah. shot scope hundred yard challenge. Right. Nails to pin from hundred yards. Phil's leading. Right. So get your 100 yard shot ready for next time. Eight, foot, the... eight foot two, Jerry. Eight three, foot two. Three, three. Eight foot, sorry, eight foot well, three. Well, I'm sure we can cut it if the half is done. Payback, Phil. Yeah, yeah. Do you know we had him on, Jerry? You were heartbroken. Oh, he was. He, he was. saw he should be. He was got. He, he weren't really as heartbroken was. as we were. My kids couldn't even get school shoes that year. <laughs> but anyway. You got them donated, John. Alan Thompson anyway. was happy that because he's got the first goal now, yeah. the Reebok. Yeah. He sends his regards. Yeah. Which is it's good to make a joke of, but I'm not being funny. To have that honour of the first goal, yeah. personally. It, it's an honour, isn't it? But it? And something can never take away from you. Absolutely. And it but should I think have in been. In the bigger scheme of things, it was as things transpired, yeah. you know. And again, that game against Everton, it was a slog fest. Yeah. You know, I remember I, it was the first time I came up against Duncan Ferguson. And it was just a slog fest all night between me and him. You know, it was a really, really tight game. Uh, there wasn't many chances in the game. And so you're always thinking one goal is going to decide this. Was going to decide the result. And... Uh, and it would there have, was a goal. Was a goal difference. We went down to Everton. That was the, and, and that's just that was the bigger one. But, but you know, by playing Everton, you sort of knew how. Let's put it this way: we knew we had a better chance of staying up than we did two years previously. Yes. Without a shadow of a doubt, we knew we knew it was going to be hard. And and, and playing against Everton, and that type of game. All right, we're not going to beat the Arsenal's. We got a we got a really good result against Man U at home. As well, nil nil. No, no. Which no one expected us to get. But we so we knew we had a good chance of staying in the league. Uh if we kept everyone fit. But your teams like your Everton and, and a few other teams that were in and around us, you knew they were going to be your critical games. And that's what proved to be, you know, proved to be the pathway that we took. They were our critical games against your Everton's, your Palaces, one or two others. And so for that to be missed, 
you know, was, was critical. It, it was critical in our season. So last game of the season, we go down on goal difference. Yeah. Was it brought up still afterwards, like, we're down because of the goal miss? Or was it just more like... Ah, you're down then. It's, it yeah. doesn't make any difference There's nothing then, you does can it? do once yeah. the realisation, once it hits you. So you've come to the end of the contract there, haven't you? Yeah. Did it ever get renewed, no. the contract? So you're still on that low wage yeah. for them for three years? Three years, yeah. And you never... No, they offered me a new contract. Uh, but you've had a taste of the Premiership now as well, haven't you? And if I'm being honest, maybe slightly selfish of me in one respect. In another respect, I wanted to wait and see what was going to happen, to a degree, because I didn't want... I didn't want to happen. I had a good. I, I'd been out with injury again, you know, that season for a couple of months, and as soon as as soon as I came back in the team, we started winning again. I'm not saying it was down to me by any stretch, but I obviously made some kind of difference when I was playing that season. Uh, and so I was thinking, well, I don't want to happen what happened last time when I joined. So I decided to sit back and wait a bit. And was the rule like at January you could talk to different people? Yeah, that, the Bosman ruling had just come out, and that sort of influenced my decision to do that. So it was slightly selfish, if I'm being honest on my. But it wasn't the case of me saying I don't, I want to leave, I don't want to stay. Uh, I just didn't want that to happen again. I mean, you want to know what you were, didn't you? I wanted, I, 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 you know, I class myself as a Premier League player. Yeah, proved selfishly that. or not. That's what I can't, you know. Do you think, from a club's perspective, it was a case of they were kind of waiting to see if they were going to be in the Premier League next there, there season? Might have been a boat, there might have been a bit of that. But yeah. they offered me a contract at the end of the promotion season. And it was a good contract. You know, I can't really... You're probably doing the right thing, though, waiting on, aren't you? Because of that ruling and... Yeah, there was a lot of things that happened that season. You know, like the Bosman ruling coming out. And without being funny... You probably deserve a payday as well. No, you've well, you've done the shift. You've, yeah. you've done the graft. Well, I mean, again, it's a lot of things people don't realise that I didn't. I didn't. I hadn't earned that much money up until that point, and I'm 27. You know, yeah. by the time my contract runs out, you've paid your dues, haven't you? And you, you know, deserve something now. I've don't met, you? As I say, I've, and now I'm thinking, well, you know, I think even then, though, I think the club got a fee, did they? No. Or was it a, just a free transfer? Yeah, it was a. Left at the, in the end. To be fair, though, you've been a great servant. Unbelievable. Yeah. No, I listen. I loved it there. I didn't want to move because I, one of my best friends lived over in uh, Rottenstall area, and uh, so I didn't have to move uh, from living in South Yorkshire, and I could go and stay with him for a couple of nights a week before the games. What were your options then, Jerry? End of season. Well, I had a couple. I had a couple of options. <coughs> Premier League. Charlton and Leicester, obviously. <clears throat> and I, I nearly signed for Charlton. Uh, in fact, I went all the way. I met with... another <laughs> bizarre story of this. I won't be on... Uh, what's his name's Christmas card list anytime soon, that's for sure. Uh, the manager at Charlton. Kerbisley. Alan Kerbisley. So I've gone to see him. I was staying with my mate Michael Hughes at the time for a couple of nights and we met Alan Kerbisley in a hotel on just off the M25 somewhere. And we're just having a chat and a couple of beers. 
it's still pre-season, and he says, right, well, not even pre-season, he said, come, come, come in tomorrow then, uh, <clears throat> and we'll get the scans done, and then meet me at the training ground, and we'll get all this contract signed and all this, that and the other. So you had someone, you had agreed? Yeah, so I, I, I went and met him, and we'd agreed it in this hotel. But in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging on for Leicester as well, because Lenny's there, right? Was he keeping you up to speed? And he's keeping me up to speed, right? He's coming in for you, yeah, all right. But he's not. The phone's going blank. My agent's ringing him and ringing him and ringing. Nothing's happening. So the next morning comes, and uh, I get a taxi from Michael Hughes's place to this hospital. I'm on the phone to my agent. Anything yet? Anything from from O'Neill? Nothing. I'm like, what can I say? I'm Phil. I've got. I've got. I'm going into the hospital now to have these scans done. <coughs> he says, "Well, well, fucking crack. I'll still crack on. I'll still try and do it." I said, "If you know, if he's not on the phone by the time you come out, then that's it. You can't keep charting and Alan Kirby waiting." So it goes into the hospital, this private hospital, about two three miles from the training ground, charting training ground. Gets these scans done. And obviously you got to turn your phone off and you're in the big MRI and all, you know, all that. Claustrophobic in there, yeah, For about an hour, however long it takes. I come out the other side and uh, the doctor, the club doctor's down at the training ground, for the charting club doctor. So I get given the scans, results. So as I'm walking out and the taxi's waiting on me, so the taxi's been told to wait there the whole time. I've turned my phone on and my phone's blipping, bing, 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 you know, non-stop. So all these answerful messages, and it's amazing, he's going, get in the car. So he said, turn your phone off, get in that taxi, and come straight round to my office in London. So I'm like, fucking hell, what, what, what's going off? So I'm like, I don't know which way to put it, I've got to go there. No. So Have you got your scans with you as well? I've got the scans on the mail. <laughs> I've got my scans on my arm. So he jumps in the taxi, I phone Phil, Phil, what's happening? He says, we're going to meet O'Neill. Quickly, turn your phone off. Put the phone down, turn off. Just get rid of my office, right? Okay, bang. So turns, turns the phone off. Straight round to the office. Tells the taxi driver, no, we're not going there. We're going here. We're not going to the training ground. We're going here. So we'll chase up this office. Gets into Phil's office and he goes, uh, right, we're meeting O'Neill at 7 o'clock on the M40 at Beaconsfield Services. Or somewhere near there, a hotel in Beaconsfield, because that's where he lived. Only, and uh, so it goes round, turns up. We're sat in the hotel for a couple of hours, having a cup of tea and whatever. Phone off. Yeah, phone off. Phone's fucking <laughs> off. Don't get the X-rays, will you? So, so, but my, for a play, my agent was brilliant. I know players going about some age. My agent was brilliant. He said, "I'll deal with all that. Let me deal with all that." So, sat down with only. Uh, we're we're chatting. So he, he'd he done that while I was in the taxi. He phoned Alan Kerbs and said, listen, Leicester have come in at the last minute, so we're going to go around and speak to him. So he was brilliant. So we gets to see Martin O'Neill and we're sat down having a chat, blah, 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 and he's asking me. And, and he was, you know, he's pretty chilled out, Martin. And he's asking you, what, what are your best attributes? And, you know, I'm like, well, well you know, you, you don't want to big yourself up too much, do you? In a, in a conversation with someone who's just 
not just, but someone who's won the European Cup when they're in Forest. You know, again, played in two World Cups, a hero of mine, another hero of mine, another fellow Northern Irishman, and he's asking me, and I'm thinking, well, I can't come out and say, well, oh, yeah, I'm, oh, I've got a great left foot, and, you know, I'll go on, I'll head anything, I'll head the back of a wall, a brick wall if you want me to, or whatever. So you just chatting away, and he goes, right, okay then, brilliant. So he says, uh, go to this hospital in Leicester tomorrow morning, and we'll get your scans done. And I go, no need to, boss. I've already got them here under my arm. I got them from Charlton. So fair play to me, takes him, brings him with him, goes up to Leicester the next day, the consultant surgeon reads them all. Don't have to do the scan again. Don't have to go in that machine again for an hour and a half. Going, <laughs> and but he he obviously takes them and analyzes them on his yeah. little chart thing, whatever he has, and then bang, a sign. So Charlton have paid for them scans. Correct. And you've signed for less. Correct. I'm like I'm feeling sick. <laughs> and probably the taxi yeah, as well. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> and I'm saying, please, Phil, you need. And he said, leave it with me, leave it with me. So he spoke to Alan Kerbisley and right. sort of smoothed it all over with him. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, a bit, again, a bit naughty. A bit naughty, but again, it proved to be the right move. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.